Welcome to Peak Market Watch, bringing listeners the latest news in the commercial real estate industry. Every other Wednesday, Anton Matley from Peak Financing will interview a variety of investors, brokers, syndicators, vendors, and finance experts who live and breathe commercial real estate. Whether you are a commercial real estate professional or completely new to the industry, Peak Market Watch will give you an inside look into the state of the market from experts who know it best. Let's get into the show. Welcome to today's episode of Peak Financing's Market Watch. Uh, we speak with market leaders in commercial real estate uh, and related services who have a close pulse on current market environment. My name is Anton Madley, co-founder and CEO of Peak Financing, and my co-host today is John Martinez, one of our great uh, senior debt advisors at uh, Peak Financing. Uh, we are honored to welcome Sam Bates, partner with uh, Bates Capital Group today. Uh, welcome, uh, Sam. Anton, thank you for having me on. I look forward to talking the markets with you and hopefully sharing some knowledge with your listeners. Yeah, great. Uh, thanks for being with us. Uh, why don't you give us a little bit of a background of what you have been doing uh, in uh, before you en- ventured into real estate, right? I think you also have some interesting background on the tax side too, and then what you have been recently doing on the, on the real estate side. Okay, yeah, definitely. Um, I, after undergrad, I worked at UBS Investment Bank for a few years in a, as an analyst, and I love my job, and I decided to get my master's, and when um, I was in grad school, that's when the market tanked, and essentially I realized I couldn't trust the equities market. I couldn't give people advice to invest in mutual funds or stocks, bonds, and I had absolutely zero control of it. And that made me do a lot of internal processing and thinking. And when I graduated, I decided to go the consulting route. And I worked at a company that when I showed up, they put me in sales and use tax consulting and honestly didn't know what it was. Um, and it, it was great. I, I learned a, a lot of things from a tax perspective, from sales and use property taxes, um, even fuel taxes. And I spent about a decade in the tax realm or tax industry um, consulting Then I was at an energy company. But one of the things that did was luckily it made me realize I didn't want to do that for the rest of my career. And probably back in, I guess in 09 is when I started to venture into real estate. I was a limited partner on a couple of deals. And then I did um, close to 20 single family homes. And then since 2016, I've been a GP on um, multiple deals. We're in the process of closing, which would be my 13th GP acquisition or acquisition or development. Yeah. That's uh, great. Uh, obviously, you started out right at the right time in 2009, right? Uh, when, when the opportunities were plentiful, uh, we wish we could say the same today. And we certainly can, can touch on that uh, uh, a little bit later. Uh, so uh, now I, th- I think you, uh, based on what we know, uh, you, you have been uh, now, the latest focus is on a deal that you soon will be closing is in Florida. But uh, before that, uh, I think you also have been involved in quite a bit of, of projects uh, in Texas. So maybe you just can give a little bit of a background there too, right? So just our listeners understand uh, your deep knowledge also on the 
development and asset management side? Yeah, yes. Um, most of my projects have been in Texas, but Florida will be the fourth state that we've invested in. And as you know, especially the larger markets in Texas are very competitive. And most of our acquisitions or developments are in secondary and tertiary markets. We like the yield. We like it not being as competitive from an acquisition standpoint. And we can go in and we've been able to provide our investors as good or possibly even better returns than some of the people that are buying in Austin, Dallas, Houston. And I've been able to build out a network with our with a couple of property managers where they manage kind of across the country. And that's given me a lot of comfort to go into some of these markets that are a state or several states away because they're the boots on the ground. Um, they, I have a comfort and familiarity with them that I'm definitely talking to them every day, every week we have calls, but um, I'm not necessarily having to be at the property every day. And in my in my experience, I've went through, I've worked with seven or eight property managers and they all have pros, they all have cons. And now we're kind of whittling it down to a few that feel like have um, risen to the top of the top of the heap. And now we're focusing on assets that they're able to manage and help us gain the most, um, extract the most value from. Very good. Uh, so these property management companies, are they more large national firms that you prefer to work with rather than just local firms? Is that the kind of one's, the strategy? One's a large national firm and then one is more of a regional firm. They're based in Atlanta, but they do have operations in some of the southeastern, I think five southeastern states. Um, and they were uh initially a broker, then an owner, then a developer, and now property manager. So they've seen the entire spectrum and they can give us insight that some property managers might not be able to just because they haven't actually owned a property or the other property managers haven't owned a property like they have. Um, and their team has been with them for a lot of them for 15, 20 plus years. So there's a lot of continuity that we can, um, leverage their resources and skills that have helped it help the process in the Atlanta market. And now in the Florida market, I think a lot more seamless than it would be if I had to go out and start interviewing local property managers that I had uh, no experience or rapport with. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Uh, now it's, it's interesting that you mentioned uh, that uh, you, you've, move kind of away from, 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 from Texas because of the, uh, the high prices and the competition uh, and your deal that you're going to close uh, in the near future happens to be in a high price market, certainly on a, on a per unit basis, uh, which is in, in, in Orlando, uh, where uh, I would say even compared to Dallas, Fort Worth, uh, the price per units or price per doors still seem to be pretty high, right? They might be at the level what you would pay in Austin, but uh, you probably still pay more typically than what you will pay in, in the Dallas uh, Fort Worth market. Uh, so what, uh, what made you feel comfortable to, to go in into, 
into a market where even for a 60s, 70s property, you may pay around 200, 180 to 200,000 plus per door compared to a market uh, where you may be able to get it 450, which is still extremely high, right? In Dallas, Fort Worth, uh, or in the upper uh, 180, 190 in, in Austin. So what made you decide that, Yes, the price per door is really steep, but we are still comfortable to get into uh, into such a market. Yeah, and I'm still looking in Texas, but it's just turned out that the last few deals have been out of state. And what made me comfortable going in with this property is it's a 2017 vintage. Um, so it's newer product. There's not that um, many issues that we have to correct from a deferred maintenance standpoint. And we're getting a price point, which to some people, it sounds crazy, but we're paying 200,000 essentially per door for it. Um, and in the same Orlando MSA, we were looking at properties that they were, one was 210, one was 180. Some of the new builds in Orlando are going anywhere from 235 to 275. Um, so we feel like we're at a really good basis. And even in Dallas now, some of the newer properties are trading. I was talking to one broker and he was saying anywhere from 220 to 255, 260 a door. So pricing on the newer builds are pretty comparative. Um, but one thing that I like is um, Florida doesn't have the crazy property taxes that Texas does where it's hard to model out an insurance, even though Florida is on the coast and it's in Hurricane Alley, essentially, they haven't had the storms. Some of the insurance providers haven't pulled out. Like we got our insurance premium back less than a month ago on our Texas portfolio and it increased by 36%. That just kills the bottom line on any deal. And it's you can't model out a 36% property, uh, property insurance increase. So um, even though the price per unit might be a little bit higher or a little bit more than what we're seeing, the overall return will, we think is going to be better just because the, the expenses are a little bit lower than what we'd be paying right now in Texas. Mm -hmm. So and I'm not trying to make like a Texas versus Florida, you know, only conversation, but mm -hmm. have you thought about this particular investment, you know, maybe a little bit richer, see opportunities to really capture the return for your investors um, on the back end, you know, you know, what are kind of the, some of the drivers that you think, you know, that Florida provides that makes your exit more probable or give you comfort that this is the right price and you're going to have a successful exit to your, for your investors? Yeah, that's a great question. And I don't want to compare Texas to Florida or to Atlanta. They're all different markets, but there are similarities. Everybody knows that people are moving to Texas, to Florida, to Georgia, to um, Arizona. So we have that population growth that I think is going to continue. Um, I'll be honest, before we seriously looked at this deal, I, I looked in Orlando, but I kind of sh shied away because I was afraid of just the tourism industry and it's boom and bust. And then with COVID, I thought it was going to take a massive impact. And the more research I did is there's a lot of Fortune 100 and 500 companies in Orlando and it's more white collar jobs than maybe most people believe. Um, and our property, it's actually north of Orlando. So we're 
40 to 50 minutes probably away from like all the Disney, Epcot, all the tourism. So our employee base doesn't even make up any of the workers that would be at Disney. Um, and since it's a newer vintage and a class A, it goes for more of the white collar workers. And another thing that Orlando has for it is they have some large universities and they're getting an influx of young working professionals and talent every single year moving in. And a lot of them are staying. Obviously some will migrate after they graduate to find a job, but a lot are being able to stay in Orlando. And over the last 17 years, Orlando's job base or employment base has grown by 45%, which I think that's just gonna continue in the future. Yeah, that's a great point, right? So um, I think that's what a lot of people really do not understand how diverse the economy is in, in Orlando, right? Or greater Orlando, yeah. uh, right outside of that uh, uh, amusement park uh, uh, bubble there, right? So there are many, many more economic drivers. Uh, and I, I would say it's only, we don't know how it looks medium term, but short term, uh, that market, Florida in general, certainly benefits from uh, from from less density, right? Uh, so I think uh, even college graduates at this point they may not be that inclined to to move back to a to a major city. Uh, and I think the problems only uh, haven't gone away, right? So uh, like when we look at we. Look at uh, Freddie now reducing the COVID reserves uh, just uh, as of yesterday, uh, based on our recording we have today. Uh, they still have a pretty significant concerns in, in certain locations. And the major locations where they are concerned about are all the dense uh, gateway cities, right? So I think uh, also for, for graduates and generally. Uh, and white collar employees, they think twice uh, once they uh, study and graduate in a market like Orlando or have a job opportunity, better really want to move back into, into a major big city. I think it will come back. It will just takes, uh, it will take a number of years. Right? Um, that will definitely benefit you guys with, with, that, with that property. Yeah, that, that's what we're hoping and I know with COVID it had a shift of the working culture and obviously every most people are working from home now um, and we'll see how long the swing it takes to go back and when people start going back to the more densely populated urban areas. Um, I've, I think eventually people are going to go back to work because it just you have to have that company culture you have to have camaraderie the younger staff for people early in their career they need that connection with the senior leaders with the um, senior managers just to be able to help grow their career I, i'm not sure how long it's going to take for them to go back to working full-time or be in the office 60 percent of the time or whatever but it, it will happen eventually yeah definitely you brought up a, a good point, right, when it comes to taxes and insurance. I, I think Orlando, you definitely have to benefit that it's further inland. Uh, uh, insurance rates along right along the coast uh, are, are pretty, uh, pretty tough to, to swallow. <laughs> uh, 
uh, in Florida as it is uh, in some uh, in southern uh, uh, Texas, and obviously we have it virtually anywhere in Texas because of tornadoes uh, and hailstorms further north. Uh, now, when it comes to taxes. Uh, this is a really good point, right? Everyone looks at price per door, price per door, but no one really discusses the, the ongoing uh, operating costs that, that one has. And as we know, taxes uh, make up a big, big chunk. And other than Florida, another market that a lot of people always felt that's overpriced is, is Arizona. Right, uh, but there again, you you have a much better control over your tax situation, right? So you do not get that massive hit just because the necessity sides that uh, now the value for all the properties in that particular sub market need to be go need to go up, right? So uh, it's a very good point that you made there. Yeah. Well, well, thank you, and yeah, I think more and more people are starting to focus on it. Everybody's getting squeeze from a price point so you just have to look at the opex expenses and i know some are controllable and some aren't but the more you can save on the opex expenses the more you're just going to add value because if you increase rent by a dollar or save a dollar on expenses it's the same same thing so it, and with technology coming more and more to the forefront i'm hoping we'll get more efficient um just from an entire um, expense standpoint. But like another thing that Florida has from a tax perspective, which is nice that some people don't know about is if you pay early, you get a 4% discount. So you can even factor that into your tax payment amount and it just helps you save that much more. Um, I would assume most people take advantage of that. If they don't, they're just throwing away money, but um, not everybody understands that. Sure, yeah. Excellent point. So Sam, just kind of um, leveraging off your comment a little bit earlier off of off of insurance, you know, that spike that you saw, you know, where do you find that your team as you're looking at investments, like, you know, where do you think you have the opportunities to like, you know, maybe your strengths to execute when you do get a spike like that? Because obviously on the front end, you're underwriting deals, maybe you're passing on some that you think are too rich because you don't have that operating cushion for these types of eventualities, you know, so not so much. Kind of what, well, what's your secret sauce? Like, where do you think your strengths are with your team that when these do occur, um, you know, you, you've got some, you know, trick in, in your bag that you're able to focus on to still kind of maintain those returns? Because that type of hit, like you're saying to the PL, I mean, that, that can have a significant drag for a window of time to be able to try to just have rents naturally lift. Um, what are some of the solutions you try to bring to situations like that? Uh, um, I, I don't know if it's a secret sauce, but I do feel like we operate our properties well and um, all but, I mean, outside of all but one, my oldest property is a 96 vintage um, and most of them are in the 2000 teens. So we do have a newer product. So our expenses are gonna be a lot lower than a 1970s or 60s vintage. But I think just constantly staying on the property manager and ma managing it from just a continual daily basis of how we can improve and so, some properties you can improve almost immediately like we were able to go in on this atlanta deal and we've pushed rents in five months more than 200 dollars 
um, because it was horribly mismanaged. But on others, especially the ones that we've owned for a few years, we can't do these massive sweeping changes at a drop of a dime. So I think it's bringing in technology, like I mentioned, I think it's adding, luckily Texas is a great market for this and our, um, there's some pricing elasticity that the consumer will take and we can add different fees. Um, now that some of our insurances went up, we've, and well, before the insurance went up, earlier this year, we implemented some different fees that are almost standard in the Texas market that aren't in other markets, such as a common area maintenance fee or um, one of our properties, we dug a well and we're basically, we've been supp uh, supplying them with well water. Now we're turning it into actual water system where we can bill back for 100% of the water they use and all the costs associated with it instead of just basically rubbing them, the, the water. Um, so it's just looking at each property and seeing how you can optimize it. Um, one, we were able to charge a convenience fee that in that market it took it and I tried in other markets and it didn't. So um, it's just always testing uh, different pricing that we could implement. Um, trying to, I mean, in some projects we'll go and do kind of like the green project where you implement new toilets, uh, LED lighting to save electricity costs. Just almost, we'll try any way to, to reduce the expenses. It doesn't always work out, but um, just constantly testing the market and asking, I mean, we sit out uh, links to residents on probably a monthly to quarterly basis, asking them what they like, what we they wanna see improved um, and getting their feedback, which provides us a lot of um, good information to just make their lives in the community that they live in better. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned price uh, elasticity. I think that's a, a particularly in the A class space, right? If you provide true value, uh, residents have the, the ability to pay for it, right? So that's where good or excellent property management uh, plays a massive role, right? Uh, if you if you have a, a great property with great service, and even though you have to pay for it. Uh, those tenants tend to be willing to pay for it, right? And obviously in C-class, that's a little bit of a different story. In B-class, it's still a little bit more challenging, but particularly on A-class, uh, you have that ability if, you, if you're if you just above the rest, right? Yeah, and I mean, we haven't tested this out, but we're planning on doing it on this new deal in Orlando is putting in electric, vehicle chargers and seeing if that's an amenity that the residents want as we were well i took a trip to houston with a friend and he had he has a tesla and we had to stop multiple times and it, it was it was honestly kind of frustrating because it extended the trip a couple hours and i was thinking like if the resident lives on a property on site that they don't have a charger that's just a added inconvenience that they have to go fill up however every 300 400 miles at, at a charging station but if they had it at their house essentially maybe that's something that brings them back and maybe they'll um, recommend it to their friend to stay here so 
for the cost of actually installing the charger, it's not that much. And hopefully we'll add, if we can get a few more leases, it was worth it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, that really brings up uh, 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 the question, how many of, of uh, electric vehicle owners are renters, right? Uh, because uh, that's definitely uh, is a challenge when you're a renter to, to charge your vehicle overnight, right? So that's kind of the business model. Uh, everyone who has an electric vehicle, you plug it in at night uh, when you come home and then you have, you're fully charged in the morning. Uh, but if you cannot do that easily, uh, it's, it's very hard to, uh, to, uh, to own a, a vehicle, even if you just drive 30 or 40 miles per day, because it's very hard to charge even within a city outside of your own residence. So it would be interesting to know how, what that percentage is, and maybe you're able to carve out a niche there with, with a sufficient number of, of charging stations so that all the Tesla owners and all the others, and maybe now the F-150, future F-150 owners, uh, will be all uh, uh, flocking to that property, right? So that's a, certainly a, a value-add element there. Uh, uh, John talked about secret sauce. Uh, now, I, I think uh, the question there also is, what was your secret sauce to win that deal, right? So we... Uh, as you know, pricing in, in Florida and Orlando uh, is, is pretty crazy, right? So we, we have seen, uh, as I mentioned earlier, C-class properties uh, that, that are trading at, at uh, mind-boggling numbers uh, that are, uh, depending on the submarket, 150,000 plus. Uh, and you're able to capture a, 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 re a Virtually brand new Class A property for for a for a, a pretty reasonable price, right? So how how were you able to achieve that? To, uh, competing with other players, I would say you're obviously it's not a very big property, but it's still relatively close. That even institutional players would also play in that in in that sandbox. So how were you able to win that deal? over others that were uh, undoubtedly competing for the same property? Yeah, that's a great question. And to be honest, part of it was luck. Um, but I think also with that, we had the preparation to pounce on the opportunity. Um, we were in Florida the week that, that it was, it started to be a marketed deal and it came out and we toured it I think the second day it hit the market and we asked the broker, can we preempt it? And he's like, and he's like, we'll see. And luckily we had a relationship with a broker, our property manager that we're going to bring in, they had a relationship with a broker. So they were able to give us a good word. Um, we had a phone conversation with a seller and a lot of the things they were looking for in a buyer, we met their criteria and, um, I think the final piece of it was the seller, they're a development company and they were focused on four or five other developments that were frankly more than double the size of this one. So I think they kind of took the eye off the ball. They had their loans maturing on July 5th and <laughs> which is coming up really quickly. And we basically told them, Hey, 
if you go through the marketing process, you aren't going to be able to close on time or nobody's going to be able to close in time. So I think there's a lot of confluence of events that helped, but just us taking those steps because there's a lot of deals. I'll ask the broker, can we preempt? And nobody's ever said yes. So we were kind of surprised, but we were grateful because every deal we've went through the marketing process on since last September, it's been bid up one to probably three or $4 million. So we felt like we got, we're coming in at, a, a, I won't say a good price point, but we're coming in at a very fair price point and maybe even a good price point compared to some, some of the new vintage comps in the area. And um, that was just the relationships we had been working and building over the last few years, I think paid, paid off dividends. Yeah, that's a, that's a great story, right? It's uh, kind of surprising that the uh, major developers take the eyes off the ball, right? Uh, knowing that you have a maturity, you need to do something and somehow it's still sitting there until they realize, oops, we need to do something. <laughs> yeah, and through that first conversation and then the seller, I was pleasantly surprised, but they showed up during due diligence and through the conversations we've had, we've just realized how mismanaged that property was. And they had three on-site managers in less than a year. Um, and it just showed they were kind of out of sight, out of mind and had their mindset on bigger, uh, bigger projects and, um, fish to fry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was great for you, right. That you were able to get in there and, uh, that the preemptive offer was accepted. So congratulations on that. Right? Thank you. Uh, so thanks again. Uh, uh, it was really great uh, to have you on uh, today, Sam. Uh, how can our listeners reach you? Obviously, you have investment opportunities, but also just to, to get, uh, not just to get on your list, but also to hear from you how, if someone has a question, how you uh, were able to evaluate the market in Florida, right? So since you're out of state, but uh, we're still able to win that deal. Uh, how, how are our listeners able to reach you? Yes, definitely, uh, Anton. Thank you for having me on. And um, listeners can go to my website, batescapitalgroup.com, and there's you can fill out information there, or I have some free resources that they can sign up for. Also, you can call my cell phone at 972-855-7654. And I'd love to talk real estate or potential investments with anyone. Yeah, great to hear. So now your uh, cell phone will blow up. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully not in the middle of the night. <laughs> yeah, I, I, sleep is important to me, so I silence it. Yeah. I, I'm open most of the day. Okay, great. Uh, Thanks again, Sam, and uh, uh, good luck with, uh, with your closing in Orlando. Well, thank you, Anton and John. It was great talking to you and um, look forward to speaking to you again. Yeah, Thanks, same Sam. here. All right. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Peak Market Watch. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast to stay up to date on the latest episodes. If you're interested in receiving a free commercial real estate loan quote for your property, click the link in the description. We look forward to connecting with you on our next episode of Peak Market Watch.